Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. A converted garage where somebody took that garage in the neighborhood. Where this really makes a difference is when you have a converted garage and no second gar- and no garage that was replacing it. Or three, you're in a neighborhood that has garages and you're the only one without a garage. And here's the problem. Garages that are converted 80% of the time look like just that. The driveway comes up to the front of the garage there. Somebody took out the garage door, put two windows in it, or a window and a door, and it looks like somebody converted it. You can clearly see it from a mile away. That will hurt your value. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you coming. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. I'm Eric G. Today, we're going to dive into a bunch of different subjects. First off, we're going to talk about how to deal with your contractor if you have some bad workmanship going on. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about the TV show. If you haven't caught it, you can catch it over on YouTube. Just look at the Fox 12 page on YouTube and look for Around the House over there. You can see the playlist with all the videos and you can find it over there. And that's uh, Fox 12 Portland, Oregon. You can find it there or over on my social media where you can head over to actually the website Around the House online or just check out the uh, Facebook, Instagram, all those different pages. Just look for Around the House. Well, you know, let's say you've got a contractor hired and you have done your research a little bit. You hired them and all of a sudden, this project has gone sideways. Things do not look good. And how do you work with that? And today, in the first part of the show, we're going to talk about this because it's a hot subject that uh, I've seen multiple people dealing with recently, and there's been a lot of questions about that. So how do you deal with that bad workmanship? Well, first off, I want you to find out if you hired the right people. What I mean by that is confirm that they're licensed, bonded, insured, because how you deal with it from here on out is going to depend on if you hired somebody that's legally doing the work or somebody that's currently illegally doing the work. And those are two different things. So let's say you confirm that. You know, take a look at your contract and see what, so you have an idea of what your route is. Your contract should say how you, you know, how do you resolve disputes? That should be spelled out in there. So you should keep that in mind through the process. But first off, before you start, you know, hammering on the contractor and and many times, and I'll say this, many times the homeowner does not understand what the contractor is doing and they're complaining about what I would call a half finished painting. Let's say they're doing the Mona Lisa and it's not done. They see it halfway done and they're complaining about how it looks. That has happened before and it's kind of common, but it's also where you see like the sledgehammer contractor in Colorado Springs where things went bad and they were horribly done. So those are the things we want to help you navigate. So the first thing is after you've confirmed that they're licensed, bonded, insured, and you've read your contract, make sure you understand the process and it's just not work that's finished. 
Make sure that they're following the best practices for whatever they're installing, because usually that's where the problem is. Maybe it's tile or the tile's all wonky. Maybe it's cabinetry and they're not level. You know, make sure whatever they're doing, maybe it's siding that's crooked. Whatever's going on, make sure you understand what's going on. And then the next thing is, is have an official meeting. Send an email and say, hey, I have problems with the way this is looking. Make it official and make sure that you mention this early. I would much rather see you mention it instead of going, oh, well, you know, just say, hey, maybe I don't understand the process, but uh, this doesn't look right. Speak up early when it doesn't look right because they're either going to do two things. One, you're going to hear a lot of excuses that might not relate to the project or they're going to say, you know something? Yeah, that's messed up. We didn't do it right. Or the third one is, is oh, wow. Um, yeah, you, you don't understand the process and let me educate you. So I want you to get these things nailed early on because you don't want the project to be done and you're hoping by avoiding the subject that it's going to get better. And now you have to start over in a project and they've been paid and guess what? There's not a lot of recourse for you. So say something early, see something, say something with this. You know, if it's clearly poor work, I mean, it's horrible work and you see it and go, man, there is no debate. This isn't done right. Stop work immediately. And again, make that phone call, make that email, make it so you have this all documented because You want to document all of this process because guess what? This could end up in court later. So make sure that you have this fully understood. So make sure that you say something early and stop work immediately if you have a problem. Like I said, check with your contract and see what options you have for resolution. And when in doubt, contact your local attorney, construction defect attorney specifically to make sure that you're following all the rules of dealing with this correctly because you don't want to come in and say too much. It's like having an attorney come to court with you. You really want to make sure that you're following this correctly. And then here's the key. This happens so many times where the relationship has blown up with the contractor and the homeowner. Contractor's a jerk or you, the homeowner's a jerk. It could be both. I've seen it both ways. Here's the issue. In many states and areas, you have to have, basically, you've got to give the contractor the right to come back and fix that poor workmanship. And so many times you hear, I don't want this contractor back in my house. Well, the problem is, is that you, if you're not giving them a, you know, the right to remedy this situation, you now can be part of the problem. And so that's where some of these problems occur. And you want to make sure that you're following that. So this is where personalities get in and it feels really ugly and it can be really ugly. But uh, check with your attorney to make sure if you are required by law to, well, let them finish the project and get it wrapped up correctly. Now, here's one of the things that I want to mention as well is that, you know, many contractors out there do wonderful jobs. They are stunning craftspeople out there. But you've also got those ones out there that are pretending to be contractors, and maybe they're not installing the product correctly. When in doubt, go back and find those products that you've selected for your project and just make sure that you have it dialed in where you understand what those you know, proper rules and procedures are to install that. If they're not doing a shower correctly, 
and you're like, wow, that's not the right way to do it, and you jump online, and don't just go to YouTube and find some person doing it. Make sure you get a hold of the manufacturer and say, is this how you do it? Understand what that process is, and if they're not following it, that's where you're going to have to address it with your contractor. Now, this is where that gets interesting because, you know, they are the experts that you hired to do this correctly. And so this is where it can be really ugly from the contractor side of things and from the homeowner kind of thing to make sure that you got that dialed in. But understanding what the products that are going in and what the process is of that, you're going to have to educate yourself on this side of it. Now, another thing is, is if you are working with an insurance company, let's say you had a house fire or a flood inside your home or a water leak or something like that, and if you're using the contractor that is from the insurance company, guess what? You need to probably bring that insurance company in as well and stop the work and get them since they were, you know, hey, this is our guy, use our guy. I would also bring them in. But you know something, many times it is great for you as a homeowner to jump in and hire somebody that is a construction dispute resolution expert. And if you want to hear more about that, head back into our archives and look for uh, Michael Showalter from Construction Dispute Resolution. We do a did an entire show on that here months ago, and you can get into that. But really, you know, I've seen so many times that the insurance company sends these people in, and a lot of the people that are doing the insurance work like that are maybe newer contractors, or they've got lots of subs, and these subs aren't really doing the right work. So this is one of those things that I really want to make sure that you understand and you can follow it and help get this dialed in because the last thing you want to do is spend all the money on materials and have to pay to throw it away again for it to be done again. And so this is where I think bringing in that expert to help you out to navigate this is going to be key. All right, we come back. We're going to talk about the top 10 things that can devalue your home just as soon as Around the House returns. This is where we help you get the most at your home through information and education. Hey, you know what today is? This is a great day, and I want to address this real quick. Happy 35th birthday to Around the House show. Yes, this is our 35th birthday. I am the fourth host of Around the House, and this is our 35th birthday today. So I just want to say happy birthday to us and you as well as being part of the Around the House Nation, which is our closed Facebook group, and all of you out there. We would not have 35 years doing this without you, our listener. So just uh, this is a great day as our birthday. So thank you very much, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you. And by the way, in that 35 years, we have about a thousand episodes up. If you head over to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Apple only puts up in the podcast about 299 episodes, but if you go over to Around the House online and go there, you can find the RSS feed for us there, and we've got all those 
about 1,000 episodes up there. So it's pretty cool. This is a, a, a big deal. So if you need to go back and search something, or if you've got questions on something, you can go back, and maybe it's foundation repair from a few weeks ago to times that we've talked with uh, you know, Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero about ghosts inside homes. We've got a lot of crazy stuff in the back history that uh, should be worth taking a look at. So, Well, today I wanted to talk, uh, since we already dealt with our contractor and bad workmanship, I wanted to talk a little bit about top 10 things that can devalue your home. Now, these are things if you're thinking about selling it, or you're thinking about getting a home improvement loan, or you just want your house to look better and grow in value, here are some of the things that can hurt you on house value that I want to discuss. And these are things that sometimes you are in control of and sometimes you're not. Now, here's the first one. Those 1980s and 1990s brass, polished brass fixtures. Those screaming best of the 1980s where you have the door handles, the bright brass door handles and knobs and light fixtures and the blue roosters on the wall. That dated stuff right there really makes a home scream, hey, I need a remodel. And if you're going to go up for resale, that's where those issues come up. So that's a big one right there. What can you do about it? You can go buy new fixtures. If you've got high-end fixtures, I've actually done this before, and this was pretty crazy. So there was a house I did probably 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and I was getting rid of that brass finish on them because it just didn't look good. And that's how long ago I was getting rid of it. But the bad part was, and the good part was, these were Baldwin lock hardware. So it was nice, super high quality stuff. And we just didn't want to tank it. So we took the pieces over to the locksmith. The locksmith took them apart, sent them off to have them powder coated, and then had them reassembled. So now we had a new finish that looked really good on the Baldwin and was going to be durable. So you could actually get some of those higher end things refinished and have it turn out okay. Would you do that with the uh, $20 quick set lock? Absolutely not, because you can go buy a nicer lock and uh, replace it and upgrade it at that point. So just that's one way to deal with those brass fixtures. Lighting fixtures, time to upgrade them. You know, with LEDs and things like that, great time to dive into that as well. Get rid of all that brass. And then, you know, you've got a more updated look. Handles and knobs, those can be great as well. Now, the next one is a big one, and this is about your lifestyle. Clutter inside your home and outside your home. If you are a collector, hoarder, and those are two different things, and you have, you know, 20 cars on your little piece of property, cars in your lawn, stacked up junk everywhere outside, and you are the cluttered house in the neighborhood, guess what? As far as value goes, that's going to hurt you. And inside, if you've got a house that has too much stuff in it, it looks like it's a small house. So again, these are things that will hurt your house value, especially if you're getting ready to put it on the market and get rid of it. So that's another one. Now, here's the next one. This is a big one. We'll go to this one before we go out to break here because this is a pretty pretty important one. Water damage. Water damage could be something like vinyl flooring in a bathroom peeling up next to the bathtub. It could be water on the floor of the basement. 
could be water soaking up in the crawl space. It could be that rot and stuff on the outside of the house. It could be any of those things. But that water damage to bad drywall someplace makes it look like a house that is poorly maintained. And just like a house and a car are similar, you want to buy something that was taken care of. You want to have it, unless this is going to be a project, it's something that you're not helping the value with. So staying on top of that water damage and all of that can be a huge deal. And make sure that those things are taken care of. You know, it could be uh, rotten eaves out there where the gutters have been leaking and tore stuff up. It could be any of those different things. Could be rot in the garage, you know. So many different things happen. But those are some of the big ones. And to take care of that and stay on top of that maintenance is really going to help you out. Now, here's another one, too. I'll hit this one before we got to break here. Mold issues. How do you deal with this? First off, if you think you've got some mold issues in your house, I would do some air testing. And, you know, Caroline Blazowski, uh, you know, America's Healthy Home Expert, look her up, head over to her testing site, and she has air testing there. And so she can actually put a testing unit in your house, turn it on, and give you mold counts. Here's why I want you to test it before you go chasing mold. Because once you find out where that mold is, you'll take care of it. Then I want to let that air change out. And then I want to do some more mold testing. Because if there's one, there could be five and you think you just took care of it. But you've got other spaces. So as part of taking care of that mold, you really want to do that testing to make sure, one, you know what kind it is. Two, you've got it taken care of where you know what's going on with it. And one mold and mold can be in one spot. It could be in three other spaces, could be under a shower that you're not aware of. And then you can get it dialed down professionally because all it takes is one spot and you take care of it. And then ignorantly you move on and go, wow, I got to take care of the mold, but why aren't my allergies any better? And then here's the beautiful part of it. Once you get that solved and you're going to go sell that house, for instance, or you're going to go do something. Here's the bonus of this. You can turn around and say, hey, guess what? We are dialed in and I've got a report saying it. And then in another year or two, what can you do? You can go back and do that test and make sure that you've got it dialed back in. And that's a key because if you just go back and check it every couple of years, you're now going to know what's going on. And that's going to be one of those things that, uh, you know, gives you a base to start with. And the other thing, too, is is make sure when you do that air testing and, and Caroline does this, which is important. Make sure that you're testing that air outside and inside because you could be chasing, you could be living in an area that has high mold outside and you've got air leakage inside and you're chasing mold that doesn't exist inside your home. And that's another key. All right, when we come back, we're going to dive into more things that can devalue your home just as soon as around the house returns.
Around the House show. If you're just joining us on the radio right now, we've been talking about, uh, we started out the show actually with how to deal with contractors, bad workmanship, and then we've been diving into the top 10 things that can devalue your home. And if you're listening on the radio, make sure you catch us on the podcast. Anywhere you catch podcasts, just look for Around the House show or head over to our you know, website, which is aroundthehouseonline.com. And you can check out the podcast, of course, the radio show uh, on the Talk Media Network, as well as the new TV show, Around the House Northwest, which you can catch over on uh, kptv.com or the Fox 12 Oregon app or catch it up on YouTube. And uh, best place to find all that is aroundthehouseonline.com. We've been talking about the top 10 things to devalue your home. First one we talked about uh, was 1980s brass fixtures. Clutter on the inside and outside was two. Three, water damage. Number four, mold issues. And mold issues are one that you definitely want to get taken a look at. And uh, like we were just talking about, it's an important one. And that can just derail any kind of a house deal. Now, the next one is a controversial one because it can really scare some people, especially if it's something that's broken up, and that's asbestos. Now, there are some very you know, common issues with asbestos here in the United States. People go, oh, it didn't exist after 1978. And guess what? They're wrong because they're mixing up lead paint with asbestos. Lead paint is still not the issue that it was 25 years ago because we've got so many more coats of paint on things out there. And so much of it has been removed through renovations and replacements. Is it still an issue? Absolutely. Do you still test for it? Absolutely. But asbestos is still one of those things that uh, is very common. And for instance, here in my area, if I'm working on a house built in 2002 and I pull the dumpster out front to do a kitchen or bathroom model, by law here in my area, I'm required to have an asbestos test done because any flooring, drywall, drywall texture, Mostly the texture is what they're looking for. And many other products have to be tested because they still used asbestos up into the 2000s. So it's something that I have to have that test done on a job site here before anything starts. And so that's a huge deal right there when it comes to, you know, flooring, glues, drywall textures, all those things, roofing. There's issues there that you have to take a look at. Pipe covers, of course. There's a lot of different things. It's not a comprehensive list. But these are things that you really need to take a peek at. And so those are things that you should, uh, you know, really deal with. Now, here's the next one. And this is something in my area, which is big. In my neighborhood, no. But in my area, yes. Crime. Now, that's something that you as a homeowner is going to have a hard time with. Crime can devalue your home, but there's also things you can do to make your house feel more safe. Now, that could be a a new security system that works well, you know, something that really has some security benefits too. Like I use Deep Sentinel at my house. Those guys are amazing. That's one of my two different systems that I have. That works really well. By adding that, it gives you uh, a really good situation there with a live guard that actually can use AI and watch your house. So you've got eyeballs on your house, which is great. And that way they can actually call in a description to the police versus just an alarm code going off. But things you can do to make your house more secure, a better fence, better lighting, you know, covered parking or garage parking for your vehicles. You can, uh, not saying you have to fortress it up, but 
making it a safer environment will make your house more palatable for somebody that's looking to buy in that neighborhood. And crime is a huge deal out there, especially in like our West Coast cities right now in certain East Coast cities. It is something that has been rampant and it's a continuing problem. Um, you know, I live in a, in a suburb of Portland and uh, in my local area here, our crime is really low because we've got a police force that uh, really works hard and is well-funded and is well-trained. And so we've got uh, kind of the best of both worlds there in my neighborhood that uh, they do a really good job with that. And so, um, you know, a good active police force that uh, serves the public is always a good thing. And uh, I've got that, so I'm lucky. I can go 10 miles and not have those same, you know, benefits of it because they've got an understaffed police force that uh, might not even call when you show up when you call 911 within hours. And so that's where the issues arise. This is not a political show. I'm not giving any political opinions here, just getting down to the brass tacks of, hey, crime is a big deal and things you can do around your house to stop that is going to be better off. Get with your neighborhood. Your neighborhood can do a lot. You know, I have seen neighborhoods now go in, condo associations and things like that, where they put up a security system, you know, and and do it where you're making it hard for people to come in and do something. So that's important. So work together as a community and you might be able to make some change and make for a better situation for everybody. And that fortunately will help with housing values, you know, and that's a good thing. Uh, Good thing as a homeowner, bad thing if you're out there trying to buy one, of course. You know, that's the catch-22. That is the catch-22. All right, next one up here. This is a key, and I'm guilty of this just like everybody, so I'm not going to throw stones in this glass house. Unfinished DIY projects. All right, people pull up front. Eh, You started that landscaping, but you didn't finish it. You started doing trim around the house. You didn't finish it. You started remodeling that kitchen and didn't finish it. You see where I'm going here. Those unfinished projects are killer. And do what I've been doing right now, to be honest. And this is my key right here. The last three or four weeks, I have not started any new DIY projects in my house other than things I'm filming. I'm actually going around and getting things that were maybe what I would call TV ready that that are 95%. To 100%. Go around and say, you know, I'm going to go finish 10 projects this weekend. And, you know, we always have those unfinished things. Okay, boy, that sure, that room we did, we sure could use one more coat of paint on it that we painted last month. Or I need to do this still to it. Or I realized I needed to do one more step. Go and get those things 100% completed. And I'm sorry, even though these things devalue your home, when you get those done, it is an emotional win to have that mentally checked off the box. I We had a horrible weekend here for weather this last weekend. It was snowy. It was rainy. It was doing everything outside. I had some projects I wanted to complete outside. And I went, you know, I'm just not going to work outside in 35 in the rain. I'm just not going to do it today. So what did I do? I finished up some drywall projects inside the house. I got one room, the drywall work done on it. And it had been, you know, it, I had two coats of mud on it. It just needed to get pushed over the finish line. And what did I do? Yes. Now that's pushed over the finish line. And then I can go into the closet now and finish that one up as well. I've got a big walk-in closet that I have to do the same thing to. 
And guess what? Looks like the weather next weekend is going to be the same. I am going to do the same thing. I'm going to knock that out. And that's going to be key. So use that time to finish up those projects. One, it's going to help the value of your home. Two, mentally, it's a very great thing to do. Now, this next one I have right here is controversial. But it's one that I think is important. A converted garage where somebody took that garage in the neighborhood where this really makes a difference is when you have a converted garage and no second and no garage that was replacing it or three you're in a neighborhood that has garages and you're the only one without a garage and here's the problem garages that are converted 80 percent of the time look like just that the driveway comes up to the front of the garage there somebody took out the garage door put two windows in it or a window and a door, and it looks like somebody converted it. You can clearly see it from a mile away. That will hurt your value. Even though you technically have added square footage, many times this is not even legal square footage that people haven't done done the work with correctly, so it's not permitted. So you can't call it a garage because you didn't pull permits on it. It's not part of the square footage. And so that's key right there to make sure... That if you're going to do it, do it right. But my gosh, replace the garage, especially if you're in a higher crime area. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I got a couple more tips on that garage thing just as soon as Around the House returns. talking about that well how to deal with the contractor's bad workmanship and two the top 10 things that can devalue your home and first if you have a question though i wanted to address this if you have a question that you want some help with maybe you've got a diy project or a design project head over to kptv.com head over to the around the house page over there and if you go over there you can submit a diy video for my tv show so grab your phone Take a little selfie video. Hey, Eric, I'm working on this. How do I resolve this? Submit it through that burst page right there. You just click on their submit video, and I will answer that in an upcoming episode for you. So I'd love to see you be a part of my TV show, and you'll get my personal answer on TV of how to take care of it in your situation. And anytime that you ask questions like that, guess what? That really helps out other people in our audience. Or you can just email me over to roundthehouseonline.com and send me a message that way if you are too shy to end up on TV. Well, we've been talking about that converted garage as being something that can really devalue your home. And this is another little sidebar on this subject. If you are going to be selling your house and you have an older house where they maybe have converted a garage or maybe done some additions, converted a porch or something like that, here's one thing I would like for you to do. Now, this is a key here right now. What I would like for you to do is head down to your local building department, whatever that is where you get those building permits. Head down there, and this is going to save you a lot of problems later on, trust me. Head down there and say, hey, guys, question for you. How many square feet do you list my house as? 
Don't go to the tax assessor because the tax assessor, if you have a 2,000 square foot home and you tell them it's 4,000 square feet, they'll send you a bill for a 4,000 square foot home any day of the week. So that doesn't count. I'm talking what your local building official does. Here's what happens. And and I've talked about this in the show in the past, but this is something here you want to address before you sell the house. If you've got that 1920s house where they've maybe had an attic converted or a basement, many times you'll go down there and maybe five years ago, you bought this house and said, oh, it's 2,700 square feet. You go down to the building department and they go, ah, you're 1,400 square feet. And you're like, what happened? Guess what? Unfortunately, you own a 1,400 square foot house, not a 2,700 square foot house. So what happened is, is somebody along the way converted a porch, an attic, or a basement into living space and didn't pull permits on it, which means that's not a legally counted space if you go to sell it. So now you need to have that discussion with your building apartment department officials say, okay, this was done 50 years ago. How do I get this up to code so I can count this as square footage? Because what's going to happen is when they go do the title search and other stuff, this could come up. And you're seeing more and more of this stuff come up. So you want to deal with that. So there's a great thing to, to chase down. Okay, what are we doing here? Make sure that you have the right square footage that your listing is correct with what the building department says. Because that can be a huge problem that bites you in the butt later on. Because if you sell somebody a house that you said was 2,700 square feet, and it's legally a 1,400 square foot house, and they figure it out within a little bit of the sale, there could be a huge deal there between you, the new owner, the bank, the realtor. That could be an ugly situation. So make sure that your house is the square footage that you think it is. And that is done through your local building department official and not the tax assessor. So there's a key right there. Here's the next one. Bad smells. Musty basements. Nasty cat litter damage. You know, I'm allergic to cats, so I'm not a fan of it just because of that. But I tell you what, I have seen so many homes where people didn't care for their pets correctly. And there was damage beyond damage of cats peeing in carpet or maybe smokers. Smokers are a huge one as well. And these are all tough things to deal with. I had a kid growing up and just a little personal story. His mom had a dozen cats in the house and uh, not really much of a litter box and not really with any of them trained. When they sold that house, I went by there. They had to tear up every bit of flooring out of that house, every piece of subflooring, all the way down to the floor joists because there was not a a paint that was going to cover that up. It was so bad. And if it's on concrete, it can be even worse because it can just stay there for a long time, and it's hard. So those are things, those nasty, unwanted smells are really horrible for that. So make sure you've got that dealt with. It could be back into that rot, could be mold, could be smoking. And that smoking thing is tough. You know, if you're going to put your house up for sale or maybe it was a family member's house, even just doing a paint job can't fix that usually because what happens is if you got a central heating and cooling system, that can be within that. And so you almost have to take it apart, clean it, or replace it. That can be one right there. 
And the other thing that you can do too is, uh, you know, make sure and uh, get a good coat of paint, really give it a good clean down with TSP. And uh, that's where I want to see you using probably some of the chemicals and cleaners that you would see using for fire damage. That's almost where you want to bring that stuff in to help deal with that stuff because uh, that stuff, that tarry, nasty stuff that's, well, came into your lungs and then went back out into the air again, that's stuck to the walls, the ceiling, the flooring, the vents, that's a tough way to clean up. And that's that's a tough one. So that's a big job. And uh, make sure you get that dialed in sooner than later. And uh, once you get it cleaned up, if you are a smoker, that's your deal. Might want to be doing that outside and not doing it inside the house where it's hurting the value of your home. Just some advice there. Now, the last one here is kind of a dual one that I wanted to talk about. And I got some honorable mentions as well. Curb appeal and a failing roof. When you stand out at the curb and you look at the house and go, wow, the bushes are overgrown. That tree hasn't been trimmed. The yard hasn't been cared for. It hasn't been mowed or edged. The paint's falling off and the roof shingles are missing, curling, or it looks like there's a patch. These are all things that will crush that Cobra peel and could crush the potential sale of that home. How many times have I as a person pulled up when I'm looking to buy a home out front and go, nope, not even going in, I don't care. That's hard for you. You want to get people to come in and give that house a chance to fall in love with it. If they pull up out front and go, nope, not my house. I can't ever see myself owning this. Give it, make it a little sexy. Make it, make it look good. Clean the yard up. Make it look well cared for. Make it look like happy people are there. Get it dialed in. That curb appeal is a huge deal. Door should be painted, stained, dialed in, looking good. Garage door in amazing shape. All of these things add up to a very happy house. And these are all things that will get people to come up to your house. And quite frankly, what's wrong with you pulling up at the end of a hard work day, looking at things, going, man, I am enjoying life, and this is my place. That curb feel is, is, is just massive. And making sure you got that and that roof. You know, roof damage is huge. Make sure that you've got that roof taken care of. That is one of the most important things on the house because so much damage occurs outside of that. So just make sure you got it dialed in here. And uh, that house is looking good on the outside because um, that can be the deal killer right before you even get in there. Some of the other honorable mentions that I have here is um, really out-of-style stuff on the inside. Maybe it's that 1980s wallpaper that is dated. Maybe it's that wall-to-wall carpeting that people don't like. Maybe it's lots of ugly vinyl floor. Or even worse, maybe it's cheap products that you have around there. Maybe you went in and did the basic house flipper move and you've got the $39 faucets and the $100 toilets and the and the really, really cheap, poorly installed vinyl plank. The last thing you want your house to look like is if it was on a bad flip show. And any of those low-quality materials can really hurt you. You want people to come in and go, wow, versus, oh my gosh, what did they do here? I saw somebody go through but wanted to flip their house, put it up for market. They went out and got the white laminate cabinets from the hardware, you know, from the laundry cabinets and put it in their kitchen, 
white countertops, did a bad backsplash, and then put down the cheapest, absolute nastiest, you know, just horrible flooring that they could do for a click together. Guess what? You don't get the value out of your home that way. If you spend a little more money and make it look like you actually care for it, you'll come a lot longer and get a lot more money out of that house. And that's the key is to continue getting money that's value for your home. All right, everybody, when we come back, we got so much more in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. And thanks for tuning in to Around the House. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.